Nothing going on in Flyerland. Oh, we're live. It is a special edition of Stick to Hockey Live. Um, Bill, I think that you and I um, are what we would deem as legally coupled. <laughs> At this point, we talk so damn often. <laughs> three, yeah, three straight days, too. Yeah, Wow. Um, that's Bill Meltzer at the bottom. That's Anthony Mangione uh, on Everybody's Right. I'm Jason Bertitas, special edition of Stick to Hockey Live. While nothing is official mm-hmm. yet, we have to just keep that in mind. Obviously, it, it is pretty presumed that the next head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers is going to be John Tortorella. Um, I, I'm not sure if Barry Trotz passed on the job, if they got done wait. I don't know any of that. Uh, let's start with you, Bill, your initial reaction and what seems like finally the end of this part of the process. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's just it. You move on, you know, you move on to the, the real, the, the real meat of the off season is going to be what they could do roster wise and, uh, you know, cap management wise. Um, Cause that, that was, you know, that's was needed regardless of who the coach was going to be. And, you know, that, that those issues still all exist. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get in a second to talking about Tortorella as a coach, but I mean, it's it's not a surprise. I I tend to think, I mean, there have been reports, although not confirmed ones, that the the Flyers heard from the from Trotz or the Trotz camp yesterday. You know, that, that he was turning down their offer, so they they went and they they offered the you know that hasn't been rumored to Tortorella, but that's you know that's still unconfirmed at this point. But I I would suspect that if you wait that long. You know, you, you maybe wait a little bit longer to at least till after the Stanley Cup Finals, if if that's the case. So, uh, you know, there's there's at least some reports that are out there, but I mean, ultimately, ultimately everybody knew it was a two horse race. Anybody else who might have been a finalist was really a dark horse in terms of okay, who might else be who might be an alternative if if one of those guys, you know, if nothing works out with one of those guys. And your initial reaction, you know, we've obviously the three of us and ad nauseum flyers, Twitter, and just people in general have been talking about this coaching process and the prospect of trots and, you know, what it meant to have a guy of his pedigree that is out there and, you know, or the prospect of torts. And and one of the things that I think has been talked about a lot is, you know, torts and accountability and that he's hard on players. But I think I want to remind people that Barry trots is not an easy guy on players. I think part of the reason why, he's no longer with the Islanders is exactly that. Exactly. And that's with, and then it gets very interesting to sort of see, to kind of compare the two and, and what exactly it is that you're currently looking for uh, from a cultural perspective for the team. Cause I think that's the, the, the coaching move is as much about, you know, the culture of the team and the culture of, uh, you know, of, uh, of this, of the squad and, and what has happened the last two seasons uh, and how that's something that has to be fixed. And, I think both of them come with stellar resumes of being able to fix teams uh, in relative in, in relative order uh, and get them playing the right way. Um, but yeah, I, to me, it was always coming down to probably those two, the ones that I think could walk into that room and have the resume to immediately both are cup at the end of the day, both are, you know, both of them are cup winners. Uh, something that, you know, Elaine mm-hmm. Vigneault is not. Elaine Vigneault's never has come within a game of a cup, but did not. Uh, so you wanted to have that balance, but also I think in some ways having that, that, that coach who has been at the top of the mountain, who has taken teams, has taken teams deep, uh, into the postseason and have been consistently successful, uh, in that regard. Um, so for me, 
my my read on this was you know if it wasn't going to be bruce cassidy and that happened as bill pointed out uh in our conversations very late in the game and vegas jumped very quickly the market seemed to be like okay someone's been hired one of them's off the market it, it's almost it felt to me like make the move now if you know it is you got to make the move now and get it and get in line as quickly as possible and they and it sounded like torts was checked all their boxes and you know it'll be interesting because it's, it seems like he's been a guy that's almost tailor-made for this city in a lot of ways but you know sports change athletes change and that's causing some of the fan base pause i want to remind people that pro athletes elite athletes are very used to being pushed <laughs> it's how they got where they are they didn't just get to the NHL and then get pushed by a couple of pseudo bully head coaches. They've been pushed to the limits their entire athletic lives. That's how you get to that level. So this isn't something new where guys get pushed and get pushed hard as long as it's done in a respectful manner that the players also respect yeah. the coach. Yeah. I want to attack that. But before we get to that, Bill, I want to get into this other part. Now, people are going to look at Bill and I go, well, you work for the team and you're just making alibis and excuses. But here's the fact of the matter. There's some, uh, you know, Anthony Sanfilippo reported that they used an outside firm uh, to assist in the hiring process. And I saw Russ Joy's tweet from Snow the Goalie where he said, uh, per Ants and Philly, the Flyers hired an outside firm to run a search for a head coach, which means Dave Scott didn't trust Chuck Fletcher to make the right hire. So I ask again, why the bleep is Fletcher running hockey ops? because they don't think Danny Breer is ready. Now, what I will tell people is, okay, if you believe that, then why is Howie Roseman running the Eagles? Because they've done it and used a similar firm called Sportsology that's not involved with Russ Cohen. Um, many organizations have gone in this executive search and high-profile job hiring process of bringing in an outside firm with no clouded judgments, no strings attached, to make sure that the vetting process is not only thorough and you avoid any surprises after a hire in a high profile situation, but also that you make the right hire from a cultural, emotional, all kinds of standpoints, because we've seen what's happened in so many places, whether it's been with Babcock in Toronto and the list that Marner had to present or what happened in Chicago, which was unbelievable and just heartbreaking to avoid those things. Many sports franchises are doing this. Why is it outrageous? They didn't hire John Tortorella. Bill? No, uh, absolutely. I mean, the teams wonder, as you said, the Chicago situation. You know, you could look at the Bill Peters situation, the fallout from that. Yeah. Um, even, you know, even although it's a different situation, you know, Jim Montgomery's uh, the demise in, in Dallas that I think very well may have played into why Monty didn't get more serious consideration here. It's not all that distant in the past. I think, I think the outside, you know, the, the third party firm was certainly involved in the vetting side of it. Um, I, and I can tell you for a fact um, from one of the people who was interviewed in this process um, was not one of the finalists, but was, was one of the guys who was interviewed and was asked who was in the room when you interviewed and the answer to that was Chuck Fletcher, Brett Flair, Brent Flair, and uh, Danny Breer. There were no, there was nobody from a third-party firm that, that was involved in the actual interview part of it. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was the Flyers' main hockey ops guys who did the interview. Um, you know, the ultimate decision, uh, you know, it, it came down. Chuck Fletcher had to, had, had to sign off. Otherwise, 
you know, I mean, if a GM who can't make a hire realizes, hey, the handwriting is on the wall here, and you know, I don't want to be part of it. Yeah, he walks he, out the door. He walks out the door. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, I, I think also that, um, you know, I think I think also ultimately, you know, and I think Anthony would agree with this too. You know, you you cast the net out in a broad way, right? And you, you know, you consider a variety of different candidates that, that, that a third party firm is not, you know, they're not in position to just to, uh, to assess who's the right choice here. And, you know, the flyers did look at some, some coaches that are known for being hard around players, whether they're well-known names like trots or, or Tortorella, you know, accountability guys, but also, but Mike Vellucci is that too, but they also looked at some alternative kind of candidates you know, the, a guy like Kirk Muller, who, you know, the knock the knock on him in, in Carolina and, and why he's been an assistant coach, but only briefly head coach. Ah, oh, he's too nice. He's he's not hard enough on players. You know, so they explored that, too. You know, <laughs> a different style. I think they I think they looked at a variety of different candidates. They made a decision on the identity they want right away. Right away, they want to have a coach who's going to hold guys accountable. And the other thing I'll say, too, for for Tortorella before we discuss things like, you know, is he, has, has today's game passed him by or, or some of those other things, which I think are, are relevant things to discuss. I'll say that if you look at his career record and, and Anthony touched on it too, if you look at, if you look at his career record and look at Mike Keenan's career record, I had in, in today's hockey buzz blog, they're virtually identical. And, and uh, Pat Quinn's career coaching record, a hall of famer is also virtually identical to those other two guys. So you're talking about highly successful head coaches. Um, you know, they have their style. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, Tortorella could be abrasive with the media or whatever. Maybe sometimes he, he'll get in players' faces or whatever. But, you know, and, and you posted this before we went on the air. You know, you don't find very many players who have negative things to say about mm-hmm. Tortorella after having worked with them. So. No, it's fair. Or they, or they will point to the first year or so of, of kind of getting a, a bearing on on. Yeah where he's coming from, but almost all of them universally talk about, you know, what a good human being he is, you know, that it's, you know, the word that always comes up in is respect. Yes. I would exact, I would agree with that. There's a, there's a respect. um, And most of the players will tell you that they, he cares about you as a human being too, uh, which I think is a big, big thing for players. If you're going to be authentic, if the concern for flyer players in the room, especially amongst the leadership, um, I think you want someone who is, you know, authentic, who will tell you where you stand. You may not necessarily like what you hear, but that it's, you know, a consistent, you know, it's a consistent message of what's needed from you. But it's not, you know, it, it, it's something that ultimately will be for your betterment as a player to help develop you. And almost every one of the players that you saw that you that were that were quoted, on, it's a number of players that that uh, article that you showed from the from the hockey yeah, writers, hockey, uh, hockey writers yeah. from the hockey writers, uh, I believe from Mark Shag, I believe it's who it was. Um, basically point by point talked about, you know, it, it was always, there was always bumpiness. There's always bumpiness in the relationship uh, there, but in many ways, it's kind of like John, you know, John is kind of like, you know, he's like the, I'm, I'm going to be tough on you, but it's, it's tough love. It's not coming from a place where I don't think yeah. that you're going to, that I, that I don't think you'll be in a better place afterwards. So and, that's and, what I yeah. took out of it. And as long as it's kept on a hockey level, as right. you said, players are used to being pushed. You know, yeah, absolutely. Whether they're Frankly, second generation players or whatever, they they've been they've had they've dealt with demanding coaching along the way. As long as it's on a hockey level and not personal, yep, they 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 can deal with it. 
you know, the, the days of, uh, and I, I mentioned this in a blog the other day too. I just brought up Mike Keenan, you know, when Mike Keenan was the, the flyers coach, the reason why some players tuned him out permanently and, and held grudges after the fact was he, he viewed getting personal. He didn't, view, he didn't view it as personal. He viewed it as a personal attack as a, as a motivating tactic. And, and a classic example was Scott Mellenby. Um, you know, when, when he had Mellenby as a rookie and a second-year player, but especially when he first had him, you know, Scott Mellenby's dad was a producer at Hockey Night in Canada. Um, you know, relative to some players' backgrounds, uh, Scotty came from a fairly comfortable situation. And, and Keenan thought nothing of saying, you're a spoiled brat. You've never worked for anything in your life. Well, players are going to take that personally. They're not, yeah. not, not going to view that as a hockey criticism. If, if you do that, especially with today's players, you're not going to last. The, the thing with the thing with Tortorella is he challenges players, you know, hey, you have to be tougher, you have to be this, you have to be that. But it's never it never extends anything off the ice. And that's really, really the key to why he's had longevity every everywhere but Vancouver. You know, one of the interesting things that, you know, we heard it when A V got hired is, oh boy, he favors the veterans. We hear that about every veteran coach. Oh, they they don't play young players, blah, blah, blah. We're seeing that in New York with Galat right now because he benched Kako in game six and where do they go from here? Somebody should offer sheet them the whole thing. But I, I look back at Tortorella's career and his coaching career and I go, okay, how has he developed young players and guys all over the spectrum from guys that turned into really good players, guys that turned into, you know, really role players that found, found their place in the NHL, whether it's Nick Foligno or whether it's Vinny LeCavalier, who was 19 years old when, mm-hmm. Tortorella started coaching him with the Tampa Bay Lightning or Martin St. Louis was 24 when uh, Tortorella started coaching him there. Or you look in Columbus at Seth Jones or Zach Warinsky or Cam Atkinson, who was 25 at the time when Tortorella came in. And you look at all these players and their development. And one thing he he has seemingly done is help a a player find what he's going to be in the NHL and let him be it. Because Warinsky is not a stud defender, but he gets up the ice and he you know, he's an offensive minded player and can relish in that role and has done so. So when I look back on it and I go, you know, is he a guy that's going to stunt the growth or not help develop young players or maybe turn around some of the development curves of some of the Flyers younger players? He looks like a right fit in that mold. Yeah. And, and, and I would say uh, also that, uh, you know, he has his non-negotiables, right? Players are expected to, Battle for pucks to to back check. That doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how many goals you score. Once the puck is turned over, your your job shifts to helping get the puck back. If you do those things and and so called play the right way, which is the things that those you know that that descriptive uh, that term rather that buzz phrase entails, then you're then mm-hmm. then he's fine. He'll let you, he'll let you play the you know he'll let you play to your strengths. Um, but if if you don't if you don't do those little things that he expects everybody to do, yeah, you'll, you'll run into problems with him. Guess what? You'll run into problems with, with most coaches, um, you know, overstaying your shift. So, I mean, all, all the, all the things that get players in the doghouse, you know, it's just that, uh, you know, sometimes is sometimes it's a little louder volume on the bench. He'll, he'll confront a guy right there, but, but then, then he'll turn around and, you know, he's, he'll, it's not like he's going to throw a lot of players under the bus in front of the media either. He'll say so and so needs to be better, and and he knows you know he knows full well what I told him what we talked about, but he's he's not gonna you know he's not gonna just throw a guy under the bus for the sake of doing so. So I I, I think that um, you know I 
young players will be expected to do certain things as, as veteran players are as well. And, but he's also not afraid to make examples out of veteran players. I mean, he will be, will bench a guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sometimes he'll bench a guy for an entire period. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like and Patrick probably, in a second game after he was acquired on an, I was just about to, exactly right. Exactly right. I was just about to bring up line A. That's going to be the interesting part here is certainly that, you know, the Flyers don't have now what I would refer to as sort of like, um, you know, we had, I guess Jake Vorchek might have been the closest we had, Claude Giroux. The, the, the makeup of the roster now for Philadelphia is different. I don't think you're necessarily going to have, you know, and we saw there was definitely a bit of a push pull between line A when he went to Columbus and, 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 and John Tortorella. So I do sometimes, I think, you know, the way the team is maybe structured now and the fact that they've had, you know, two seasons of highly, fr- two highly frustrating seasons there. Th- I think th- the roster is probably at a point now where they're looking for someone who can kind of show the way in this circumstance to kind of have them all pulling on the same rope. Forge uh, the new identity, if you will. Exactly. And, and you already have somebody in here already in a Cam Atkinson who is, can be sort of the, uh, the torch whisperer for the, for the, for some of the younger players on the roster say, this is what he's looking for out of you uh, in, this, in this circumstance. And that I do think comes, especially when he's already part of what will likely be the, you know, the leadership structure going into the next season uh, that can go, I think a pretty long way. So it's a little different. I think me, you know, you know, you'll have a stronger personality in a Claude Giroux or a Jake Voracek or players like that. It's a little different now, you know, the, where the, where the team is at now is, is different. So I think John's message, I think certainly will be received. I think I, I have a feeling, you know, certainly well, I think in the first year. Oh, no doubt. Um, let's talk about players that stand to benefit the most and players that are going to have to make some tweaks on this Flyers roster. Should this become official with John Tortorella as the coach and, you know, the first couple guys that come to my mind right away, I think of Travis Konechny, I think of Ivan Provorov, I think of Rasmus Ristolainen in a way uh, in regards to how he can, you know, kind of perform under a guy like John Tortorella. And some of the young guys, like obviously Tippett and Frost, Joel Farabee, I think is a guy he's going to love. <laughs> For Tortorella, he's, he's a coach's dream player, does, does everything kind of the right way, plays an honest game. But there's some other guys that have to make some tweaks. Bill, when you look at it, which player stands to benefit the most to maybe change the trajectory of where he's going in the NHL right now? Well, I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned Farabee. I mean, Farabee had an injury plagued year this year. Um, you know, there are areas any player can, can improve and get more consistent, but I, I think he's a player that Tortorella will have a lot of trust in right away. Um, you know, uh, uh, other guys have, other guys actually under Mike Yo started making some adjustments to their games. They have to continue along those lines. Uh, you mentioned Morgan Frost, for example. You know, Frost, Frost really improved the the process of his game a lot this year. It wasn't until late in the season that that points started started going up for him mm-hmm. a little bit, but he actually you know improved his compete level, improved you know improved his two hundred foot game. He's going to have to continue improving it, and, and Tortorella is going to demand that of him. But I, but I think he's already started that process, right? Um, a guy like Cam York, if he, if he does what's expected of him and whatever, could certainly benefit uh, and see his game take off, you know, under Tortorella. I mean, one one thing that York really said that he he welcomes is structure and, and knowing where guys are going to be and and are supposed to be, right? So that's uh, 
that's a big thing. Um, you know, I mean, Provorov says there's another guy who said, "Hey, I, you know, I, I want, I, I want to have some consistency in, in knowing who's going to be where and when, right?" And, and so he's going to have that. I mean, and, you know, it kind of, in a way, it kind of reminds me a little bit, a little bit of when Ken Hitchcock came, and everybody said they, you know, on the team, we need more structure, we need more structure, we need mm-hmm. more structure. Well, <laughs> boys, you got it. You know, so it, like, lack of structure is not going to be anybody's and that, that could be a crutch anybody can lean on. Um, so I, I think the guys that can embrace that structure and play within it will do will do just fine. And I think the other guy who may benefit, actually, if you go by Tortorella's history, is Carter Hart. Thank I you. agree. Yep. Took it right out of my mouth. Exactly. Because with better structure in place in front of Hart, considering that he had a good season with the disaster in front of him you know, having a much more structured, you know, setup for him uh, in front where things that he can kind of expect and not have as many defensive breakdowns as, you know, and, I, and I'm not just referring to the defense and I'm referring to the full, you know, the forwards, you know, cheating too high uh, in that regard. I think absolutely will be a benefit for Carter Hart. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. In, in Torts's tenure in Columbus through the entire six years, so that's the 2015-16 season through 2021, which was the shortened season. Um, the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets were 19th in the NHL in goals allowed per games played at 2.79. They were also 2.79 goals for per games played. And when you look at like kind of those seasons individually, the one thing that pops out to me, Bill, is the, the team consistently struggled on the power play. Yeah. 21st in the NHL in 1516 12th then in 1617 but then 25th 28th 27th and 27th all said and done over the six year period 29th in the NHL at 17.1%. They need to improve the power play penalty kill much better 11th in the NHL over that tenure in Columbus. Right. But the power play has got to be better. And that's something that the Flyers obviously last year struggled at. Who's the assistant coach to fix the power play? Good question. I mean, that's uh, and that's one of those, you know, that's one of those things to be de- to be determined over the off season. And and the Flyers have tried some different approaches. You know, when when uh, you know after Joey Mullen was first replaced, they brought in the young hotshot coach with the, you know, with the innovative ideas and in, in, in Chris Knobloch, and <clears throat> you know, and it didn't work. And and then they went to you know an old school pucks at the net traffic guy in in. Uh, yeah, Michelle Terrian, and that didn't really work, you know. And, and then, you know, the this year they had a couple different guys running it after Terrian was dismissed, and it never improved, you know. And they, they've had guys who've been successful in the power play, you know, Claude Giroux and and, mm-hmm. and other guys. Then, so it hasn't just been personnel. I mean, there there's a lot to unpack there. Whether it's whether it's getting to the basics of how they enter the offensive zone, um. You know, not being not being predictable in what they're looking to do, throwing some different looks, whether that's a double net front, um, mm-hmm. moving guys sometimes from one side to the other. Not that they haven't tried those things. They have some shooters you know, now, though. They they do. They, I mean, getting getting a flying <clears throat> shooter in place is definitely a piece of it. Yeah. But you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna he, he he's not gonna be a factor unless you gain the offensive zone in the first right. place to get the get the and puck working. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to me. The big one of the big big issues that the power plays had the last two years has just been the entries. If you don't if you don't win that first face up, going back and taking it up ice and getting set up, 
a lot of times they've never really gotten set up. And that's, uh, you know, that's been an ongoing problem that they, they've tried to solve and they're still looking to solve. So, you know, that then that's going to be in whatever assistant is running the power play. That won't be Tortorella's realm necessarily. But that that that's one of the big things that have to be fixed. And also the, you know, I also the PK the last two years, yeah. at least the, the second half this past season and the season before that, obviously, were, you know, left a lot to be desired too. So, you know, the, the Flyers actually, if you really break the season down, their, their five-on-five process actually got better. It actually did in the second half of the season. Um, you know, they, they were – at one point, they were at break-even, pretty close to – pretty late in the season. They, they slipped they slipped to more goals allowed and scored five-on-five. Five. But they, they showed a lot of improvement. They were really underwater at one point, and then they had – from – you know, from that point on in the second half towards near the end of the season, they were, they at least broke even. There was at least some improvement. But the but the special teams were both so bad that it didn't matter. They were still losing games. Yeah. So there's there's a whole lot there's a whole lot that needs to be fixed. And it's not just you know, not just who you name as the coach. So Yeah. And and, and ultimately I, you, and there was you need a, the and, talent too. And the other issue again going to coaching, as Bill just stated, is the constant flux of the, the assistant coach flux. I mean, waiting yeah. for uh, Mike John Torchetti to get in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're just going through multiple coaches and, and during the season, and you lose, consi- you know, you're, you're losing consistency. Uh, you know, the message gets a messenger. little different with each coach. <laughs> the messenger has changed on what you what exactly is want to do. And again, some of that is also just the team struggling as badly as they are. You're trying to, you know, get every solution. Throw, you know, <laughs> get us get a dartboard, throw it at the wall, throw a dart at it, and hope it and, and hope maybe something clicks. And some of it's that. Some of it's also how the personnel is deployed. The personnel itself. It's like chicken and the egg in terms of a lot of this. Yeah. In terms of all of it together combined to provide the very ugly picture that we had on, on of the Flyers special teams. Yeah, no, I know hockey looks a lot of times like just to throw five guys on the ice and let them go and. And, you know, you freewheel and, but it's not, there, there has to be a, so much play of on instinct and knowing a guy's going to be where he is. And that just comes from playing with a guy and playing within the, the, you know, the confines of a system to know where he's going to be and have the confidence that he's going to be there. Because if you're just freewheeling, then you're just going to end up throwing the puck to, to dead areas and losing possession. But let's talk about the system because torts, you know, is a guy that is very, you know, staunch in his defensive zone responsibilities of blocking shots. And people look at that as a dinosaur thing. Players are padded now better than they ever have been. So um, injury in that regard is less impactful than it's, than it has been in the past with the upgrades and equipment, but really a lot of what he does is predicated on what he does offensively. And he runs a 2-1-2 split four check, which is a bit of high risk, but incredibly aggressive. And it's designed basically to put pressure on a, on a, on a deep puck, create turnovers and great good, good scoring chances, either in transition or off that turnover in the offensive zone. Quick strike offense. Yeah. If you have the personnel to get in on it and execute it, it can be extremely effective, which is why back checking, though, also, because it gets beaten, yes. you better back check and provide back pressure which is why he preaches that as well. Yeah, which was which, which, his one year in Vancouver, that was a problem. They gave up way too many odd man rushes. Yeah. You know, one pass beats it, it's going the other way. Right, exactly. And that's, you know, that, that, is, the, that is the downside to that. There, even 
towards teams even in the neutral zone. They're pretty aggressive. It's not just the you know, it's not just the offenses on forecheck. They're pretty aggressive in the, the neutral zone forecheck. If if you guy thinks he can yeah, the guy thinks there's there's a puck to intercept or he can step up and they can they can outnumber somebody, you know, they'll they'll do it. But uh, you know, but but you know, but if you make that decision, make the right decision. And uh, yeah. you know, and I, I mean listen, I mean his his Rangers teams we're very good at that, actually. Yes. They, they, you know, they. Uh, I, I unfortunately I don't have the statistics sitting in front of me, but o- over over the course of his tenure with with the Rangers, in terms of in terms of winning percentage, when you're leading after two periods, and which is of course quite often by one goal, no team was better at closing it out than the Rangers were, and uh, it wasn't like the it wasn't like the, his team just sat back, but they were you know but they. They played. They played in a way where, you know, they they weren't giving up very many chances. And obviously, they had the goaltending too. You know, the goalie, the goalie obviously has to step up yeah. as you need need him to. And Carter Hart will have to do that. And he he had that in you know with Bobrovsky and in Columbus as well. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm this this isn't uh, you know, this isn't Jacques Lemaire's system. It's uh, you know, and, and and towards the end of people saying that, uh, you know, the, the game has passed them by. Well, uh, I mean, I'll say this: Who are the two teams in the Stanley Cup Finals this year? Right, one of them is one of them is Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Who was the last team to beat Tampa Bay in the playoffs? Yeah, it was Columbus. Yeah. And not only did Columbus beat them, they swept them. That was that was the year where Tampa Bay was the runaway, the runaway President's Trophy winner, the runaway, points. yeah, the the runaway <clears throat> favorite to win the Stanley Cup, and they go out in the first round. Yeah, um, you know, and. I mean, the, yeah, yeah, you know, if you're going to blame a coach, you have to give a coach credit too when they win. Uh, and and they, Tortorella certainly seem to have answers for you know for playing Tampa Bay, who you know, I mean, the Tampa Bay really doesn't hasn't changed the way they played since, and they've added a little grit, they've added some size, but their style hasn't changed under John Cooper, you know, over the years. So, you know, can can Tortorella coach a team to winning in today's game? Yeah, he can. I mean, but every coach needs the horses. But I, he, you know, he made a great coaching adjustment in that series and just clogged the shit out of them in the neutral zone. Yeah, they just right. could never get Absolutely. through the neutral zone. Now, they never went through yeah. it and never adjusted. And now, there is also a counterbalance to this, though, two bills that John yeah. is also hasn't, you know, he's had a lot of first round exits, too. Yeah. And yep. that's an area of frustration, yeah. I think, for, you know, for, you, for the Flyers having been to the playoffs the last decade had been one round and out for a yeah. long, for, you yeah, know, with for the, the exception of the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, with the exception sure. with the exception of the bubble under Elaine Vigneault, it was the first time in a long time they had been beyond the first round. So that's something that John also, again, the questions I'm sure the counterbalance is going to be: Does the system sort of grind guys to the point where yes, they execute very well, but then when they get to the postseason, you know, I, I mean, which is, yeah, which is which is fair. And then you can look at a guy like Peter Laviolette, and he's won. You know, I mean, you know, he he's won the cup. He took the Flyers. Flyers to a final. He's also had his share of early playoff yeah. exits. I think when you when you coach for a number of years, it's going you know it's going to go that way. You know when when you look at his Columbus years uh, with Torts, um, like yeah, I mean there were some series where Bob just wasn't very good. Yes, if you, you know, and that and that you know, and that's yeah. going to make the coach you know get a lot dumber in a hurry if, if you're not getting the, the saves that you need. Uh, and and Bob in that series against Tampa Bay that we did the sweep. That was probably the best Bob's ever played in a postseason. Yeah. yeah. And you know, in, in terms of keeping up with the game, well, you know, it wasn't uh, 
Torch wasn't the general manager when uh, when Panarin walked as an unrestricted free agent and Bob walked as an unrestricted free agent in the same offseason. Yeah. Right? And, I, and I mean, and I get it. I mean, I get that Yarmo uh, kicked the line and said, you know what? Now is our time. We got to go for it now. On the other side of that, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you take the, paid for that. <laughs> the price you paid for. You you take Panarin off of the Rangers, right? Take take Panarin and Shesterkin off of the Rangers, and what do you have? Right? So certainly not a team that got as far as they got this year. It's and probably it's probably a because... first. It's it's a first. Or so, I think it's probably a, yeah. a round one, maybe round two team. You do have an Adam Fox, but again, they had to acquire an Adam Fox. Right, 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 right. In, right. in this circumstance, but yes, absolutely. Shesterkin also Shesterkin struggled in that first round. There was a distinct chance the 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 um. Penguins. The narrative on Shesterkin would be completely different yeah. had Pittsburgh finished them off in the first round. Yeah, right. Yeah. Pull, pulled in back-to-back games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gave up, gave up a touchdown, an extra point in both of them. So, mm-hmm. um, but but he obviously steadied the ship. One of the guys that I'm interested to see because I was talking about Orinsky before is a guy like Travis Sanheim who's coming off. You know, he had a, a big step this year. Took a big step forward in his activation on the rush and. You know, found some chemistry with Ristolainen while they were together. That that's a, a player I'll be eager to watch this year as well because Tortorella does like when his D join the play, and he's a guy that showed this year that he can join the play and create. So uh, that's another one to keep an eye on. Um, so we'll see we'll see how this kind of plays out um, when we get an announcement. Do Do you have any kind of prediction on Bill on an announcement here, or are we just kind of dotting the eyes and crossing <clears throat> the T's? Where are we at? I, I think it would be in the, within the next few days. Okay. Yeah. Probably yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. If they're if they're in the midst of doing the numbers as they as Pierre LeBron has reported, I think tomorrow they're supposed to be discussing contract. I think within a day or two you could probably get that nailed. That I wouldn't be too surprised. This is a Friday or Saturday, you know, Friday announcement possibly. Then we can get down to the real business of this offseason. You know, the coach, no matter who the coach was, whether it was going to be Barry Trotz or John mm-hmm. Tortorella or Jim Montgomery or whoever, aren't going to skate a shift this season. I can mm-hmm. I can assure you. Now you can get down to the business of making some moves on this roster, whether that's JVR being moved or bought out or whatever the ramifications, maybe you're in that to bring it sweepstakes or whatever is going on and the draft coming as well. So which, uh, guys, which would, which would be something else that they go for to bring it considering the, 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 um, the narrative after from, from the draft from a few years back and they yeah. try to get him as a free agent. You know, you're going to, you know, you're not going to hear the end of that. From, yeah. from fans if they go after Debrinket. Well, you're going to have to give up a big package to get him. I imagine yeah. it would be the fifth overall pick and a couple of prospects, maybe even as not a, not really prospect, but you're going to have to give up an NHL roster player like Farabee. You going in that yeah, direction? Yeah. Well, I I, I don't know. I, because... I would be hesitant. For Farabee, I would not include in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I would try to tie something into Konechny, if only because – you know, then then you start creating a redundancy in there, right? right. And then I, I'm, I I think you need, you know, on an, any one individual player, I, I don't care how big or how small he is, right? But when you start start having a lot of small players in, in the roster, mm-hmm. then then you're gonna need to balance that a little bit, yeah. right? You have, uh, you know, like you know, you have Bobby Brink in the system, and I'm not I'm not saying Bobby Brink is gonna be as good as the Brink. We don't know that. We don't know that. Um, and DeBrink has a 40-goal scorer in the NHL right now and is still, you know, hitting hitting his prime. Um, you know, now he's got, I think, one more year to go in his contract, though. Still RFA um, after that, yeah. I believe. Yeah, and then, and, but then, yeah, an RFA who's a year away from being unrestricted. Yeah. So, so a little more power. You know, 
yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want to walk in a situation where you might walk a guy right to UFA status after you're trading a big package to get him. Um, you know, could you get to bring, you know, if you get to bring it, great. And I also want to, what else are you doing to reshape the roster? And my number one concern, Jason, you know, it, and I've talked about it with Anthony as well. I, I am not, you know, I'm very worried still about Ryan Ellis until there's a reason not to worry. Yeah. Uh, the Flyers don't have a lot of cap space here to play with about 5 million heading into the soft season. What, you know, to me, it's, to me, it would be negligent to go into next season without without a plan B for okay if we don't have Ryan Ellis what is the what does our other half of the our top defensive pair look like because yeah. you can't have another you cannot afford another year uh, where he's you know maybe plays more than four games but if, but if he's uh, he's missing a big chunk of the season then you're right back where you started no matter who your coach is no matter what forward upgrades you make you have to address the top end of the blue line and I don't feel very comfortable right now that that Ellis yeah, even if he enters the season healthy, I don't, I don't feel a ton of comfort that he's going to get through the season healthy. So yeah. I, want, I want to know what is, what is the plan here to address the blue line before I worry about the forwards, just because you, you only have so much space to deal with. Yes. Yeah, is he going to end up on a milk carton again? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's too consequential if that happens again. And Bill, we won't have the answer to that until probably this time next year or about next year. <laughs> you know, until it's all said and done. That's when we can maybe have confidence that he is going to have that, you know, availability, which is always a huge factor. Um, this was awesome, guys. Thanks for doing this. Uh, jumping on on quick order for a little special edition of Stick to Hockey Live. Uh, we'll keep our ear to the ground as things break. We'll bring them to you. Everybody, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on Stick to Hockey Live. Stick to Hockey Live.